Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I am your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back. Welcome to our 25th episode. I don't know why I always say our and we, like as if this is some mass media empire conglomerate that I'm running here. This is not the Shaw Squad. <laughs> this is one person, but thank you for listening, for joining me for this episode. And if you've been here for the previous 24, or if it's your first time, all are welcome on the Housewives and Me train whenever you decide to come on board. Um, I'm very excited about this week's guest. It's my mate, Brennan Carley, who's a hilarious and insightful journalist and writer. And we got into such great stuff around the shows. It's a very fun interview and I'm excited for you to hear. But usually I don't delve deep into, you know, new stories here on this podcast in terms of the Housewives world, because frankly, there's usually so many each week that I feel like it would kind of get in the way of the longer chat. But I did feel that Because it's our 25th episode, and because this is such a big story, I would get my journalistic hat on and I would try and make sense of what is going on with Jen Shaw. The Jen Shaw of it all, the arrests, the allegations, what's happened next, who knows? Let's chat about it. So it has emerged that last Tuesday, yes, the same day this podcast comes out, I don't know if that's a sign... (laughs) All I know is I was raging. I was like, could you, they have not done that a day earlier, so I could have mentioned it on the podcast. Anyway, Jen Shaw was arrested last Thursday. According to Variety, it was for, quote, conspiracy to commit wire fraud in connection with telemarketing and conspiracy to commit money laundering. So the charges were brought about from the uh, United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York, which is significant because apparently they have a very high conviction rate. Uh, so Jen was arrested, as was Stuart Smith, who you may remember as Jen's assistant. He was billed as her first assistant on season one of Salt Lake City. Um, These charges claim that from 2012 up until now, uh, both Jen and Stuart were running this telemarketing scheme that targeted older people and sold lead lists for fake business opportunities. So there was a press release issued by the US Department of Justice uh, when the story broke that included a quote from the Manhattan US attorney, Audrey Strauss. Audrey's full quote was a little bit shady. She kind of read Jen a little bit. It was kind of like housewives moments. But there is an interesting quote in there that I think sort of um, sets up some of what happened here. So in the release, Audrey Strauss says that Shaw and Smith, Jen and Stewart, allegedly generated and sold lead lists of innocent individuals for other members of their scheme to repeatedly scam. In actual reality, and has alleged the so-called business opportunities pushed on the victims by Shaw, Smith and their co-conspirators were just fraudulent schemes motivated by greed to steal victims' money now these defendants face time in prison for their alleged crimes. So this is said to be part of a wider investigation into this kind of fraud, which sounds like it's quite common, sadly. So Variety points out that this indictment claimed that the victims were allegedly sold things such as tax preparation, coaching services and website designs and points out that you know, notwithstanding the fact that many of the victims were elderly and did not own a computer. So the details of the victims will be found in these lead lists, which are basically like contact lists of people they were sold on to other companies so that these people could be potentially scammed again and it's alleged that Stuart and Jen did this work over encrypted communication that they had shell companies and kind of secret accounts where allegedly millions of dollars were being kind of kept and ferried around so it's one way to make your money I suppose allegedly in my Wendy Williams voice allegedly so the Insta account to Judgy Girls they got a tip that Jen had found out about her arrest while on her way to film for the show this was confirmed by Variety a shout out to Kate Arthur who's done some great writing around this in the last week the story is that Jen was joining the rest of the cast for a trip to Colorado you know those kind of um 
not the big, like, you know, the trip of the season, but those kind of small little getaways they do usually early on in the season to kind of get people's storylines pumping. So Salt Lake City has been apparently filming for about a month or so. So Genshaw arrives to film with the rest of the cast before they head off to the trip. She then said she had to go because her husband had gone to hospital and she needed to leave. A source told Variety that shortly afterward, federal law enforcement sworn introduction looking for the absent Shaw. They found her and she was arrested. The cameras were rolling, but the source wasn't sure whether law enforcement had forced them to stop filming. A source also told Us Weekly and sometimes these kind of um, American outlets, you know, they'll quote sources and you have to be like, are they both? like accurate but you know they've been quoted so hopefully they're they've got real tea uh, the source said to us weekly that Jen was filming with a few of the other women present when she was arrested the women were completely shocked when Jen was taken away the us weekly report said it wasn't clear if she'd go back to filming so that's sort of you know wild in and of itself where right? the allegation is serious it is kind of damning kind of it is damning let's be honest if it is true um the particulars around Jen being in full glam to go film with the women and then she's arrested and we see her go arrive at the courthouse in braids and full makeup, you know, giving the full Real Housewives fantasy, even though she may have committed a crime. There's video of Brooks Marks lip syncing to a Nicki Minaj lyric that says, she threw dirt on my name, ended up at her own burial, which some took as a dig at Jen, because if you remember... Jen and Brooks sort of had a back and forth and Meredith and Jen sort of fell out in the last season. Although Meredith Marks swears up and down Brooks was not throwing shade at Jen. So I don't know. I like the idea that he was, but who's to say? It emerged that the Shaw Chalet we saw on the show was in fact a rental. It, the reports said that Jen actually did not own any property. That emerged in the kind of hearings around this case later on. Fans, of course, referenced the season one reunion of Salt Lake City where Jen tried to explain how her businesses work. And there is, of course, conversations again about the stories from a few weeks ago about leaked audio of Jen berating an assistant, how she allegedly treated a designer who made pieces for her, etc. I just cannot stop thinking of Lisa Barlow at the reunion when Jen explained her business. And she was like, it's so good of. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I need the Lisa Barlow reaction cam for all this, like immediately. That, that is how I feel about this. There was an attempt to have a virtual hearing for Jen on Wednesday that became the source of some phone amongst the... Uh, Housewives, Bravo blogs and Instagram accounts, etc. Because you could go and watch the proceedings online. You couldn't record or film it because that's illegal, but you can't. You could sit in and, and listen to what happened. And apparently Jen's legal team couldn't figure out how to turn their mic off mute. And basically, basically they had the kind of tech errors you, try, you would have on a family Zoom call, except on a family Zoom call, it's not about your arrest for alleged fraud. So, you know, that's put a bit of a dent in proceedings. So that pushed everything to Friday on Friday, Jen Shaw pleaded not guilty to boat charges in a hearing. Variety again doing great reporting on this. They noted that there was a number of restrictions put on Jen Shaw, though it wasn't specified that she couldn't film the housewives. They uh, The terms of her bail were set at $1 million, secured by a $250,000 cash bond. There was some back and forth from Jen Shaw's legal team about that figure, but the court was arguing giving the alleged amount of money that Shaw had made from these alleged crimes. They said that this should be more than okay for her to try and cover. It was argued that Jen is a flight risk because she's only allowed to go to New York because that's where she's been charged. And she's also only allowed to go to Washington, D.C. because that's where her legal team are based. And the court also forbade excessive use of alcohol, which if you remember season one, there's a whole thing about Jen's drinking and her anger issues, etc., etc. And of course, that cliche, although I think it has been disproven a few times of how if you can't drink on Housewives, how can you be on Housewives? So... 
Hard to know what's going to happen there. They set a trial date for the 18th of October. As we mentioned, season two of Salt Lake City is, of course, filming. And Bravo have kind of refused to comment on this so far. So there's no word on what Bravo's stance is as of yet. Jen didn't really say anything at first, although over the weekend on Instagram stories, she was alive and kicking. She she was resharing stuff. She reshared an image of a free Jen jumper and said, thank you for being loyal, believing in me and not believing the hype and said, thank you to my real ones with the hashtag Shaw Squad when she reshared another one. Um, there was screenshots circulating of Jen talking to a fan where she says up and down in these in this message that to a fan that the allegations are true and that she will continue filming the show. There was a rep for Shaw's legal team who's told Page Six, that Jennifer Shaw is a wife, mother and lifelong resident of the Salt Lake City area. She maintains her innocence of these charges and is eager to defend herself in a court of law. She puts her faith in the American legal system because of the ongoing legal proceedings. We ask that you respect her privacy and understand she will not provide any further comments. So that's the statements coming from Jen's side. We have seen the allegations that are quite serious in terms of why she's been arrested. Um, It has been pointed out that Jen could face up to 30 years in prison if she's found guilty at trial, which is, I mean, we've had Teresa Giudice on Housewives in New Jersey go to jail for two years for her involvement in her in fraud, which she, you know, now says was because her husband had her sign this, her ex-husband had her sign this, this and this, and she went along with it and didn't realise that's what she's always argued. We have the questions around Erica Jane's legal situation because, of course, her now, her soon-to-be ex-husband, Tom Girardi, is up Uh, against some serious charges about misappropriating funds from plane crash victims. And there's, you know, speculation that Erica Jane may have been complicit in that or, you know, may have had money moved into accounts for her glam lifestyle that came from that pop. But that has been a little bit more unclear as to how much she was involved with this. If it turns out to be true, if it all shakes out the way it looks like it could in some ways, this would be Jen very much at the centre of this particular allegation which is a slightly different thing, I think, for maybe some of these stories when they've emerged in the housewives world. So it's a tricky one. Like, in a way, listen, we're all gagging for season two now, aren't we? But it's not clear if, you know, Jen has filmed since this arrest. One of the stories that came from uh, E! News, they were talking about the fact that they had sent a camera crew outside the courthouse on Tuesday to capture footage of Jen arriving. But of course, that was covered by news cameras as well. I mean, I'm just curious because there has been this conversation about if you were doing this kind of thing, you're an idiot to go on reality TV because you're giving the feds ammo, right? Like the FBI were probably watching Salt Lake City season one, you know, they're probably like, wow, this is like, you know, this will be all proof in court. I mean, the comedian Michelle Collins, she shared a, uh, not the British actress Michelle Collins. There's two Michelle Collinses. Uh, this is an American comedian who has a podcast and radio show in the US. She is a pop culture commentator. She interviewed Jen uh, recently and she put a clip from it up on her Instagram uh, a few days ago and was kind of like, here's me asking Jen about her different assistants and how that all works. Little did I know this could be evidence one day. So... You know, now we're kind of going back over stuff Jen has said to see if there's clues. I know people have said that they've gone and rewatched Salt Lake City episodes since this has emerged just to see if there was any clues, particularly Reunion. I think that clip from the Reunion of her discussing how her job works now just feels even weirder given everything that's happened. But whether she'll stay filming, I just think is such a grey area because in a way you want the show to address it and I want the other women to react to it, obviously. But I don't know what the ethics are and how much Jen can actually discuss this on camera the fact that it doesn't air live, like she could film something now and we'll see it in what, five, six months time. Does that change what she can or can't say? Will they cover the trial on the show? 
like if she goes away like do they cut her out of the season from this point going forward do we get say three or four episodes of pre-arrest Jen and then it all goes tits up I don't know god it's it's wild it's one of those you know stranger than fiction kind of things that can only really happen in the real housewives world I feel like true crime fans and housewives fans are about to become besties <laughs> right they're going to be there's going to be like some kind of po- podcast crossover of some kind I'm sure um, so that is where we are with the Jen Shaw of it all I'm recording this on the Monday before you hear the podcast just for just for just to be completely transparent so it's possible that in the hours between me uploading this and the episode coming out some other mad development could happen maybe Tuesday is now going to be a lucky day for Jen Shaw going forward uh, who can say but that is where we are with it now the Jen Shaw of it all the arrest as it, as I said uh, Variety's reports from Kate Arthur are well worth reading they really give you a good sense of where things are because this story had, took on a social media life of its own too everybody was resharing bits and bobs and rumours and I was like whoa 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 I need the I need the journalism now. <laughs> I need the facts. So uh, I'm I'm grateful to those reporters for doing that kind of heavy lifting. That's the Jen Shaw of it all. But we do have an amazing interview, and I don't want to keep you any longer. I feel like I've been talking for so long. Hopefully, you've learned something from this. But now it is time to get into it. Here is this week's amazing guest. It's Brennan Carley on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a writer who's worked for GQ, The New York Times, Elle, Esquire, Entertainment Weekly, and has even very recently gotten to do a piece on 20 years of Lady Marmalade for Cosmo. You've got to read it. You even got to interview Christina Aguilera. But today, we're not talking about Christina, although she could come up. Who knows? We're talking about Real Housewives, and I'm delighted to say, Brennan Carley, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast, and I love you, so I'm so excited to do this. How did you get into Housewives, then? Because I know that you're kind of a longtime fan, just from our own chats over the years as friends, but I'm curious what got you started. I remember very specifically that it was Real Housewives of New Jersey that got me interested, and it was the first season of Jersey, and I remember very vividly because I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. Um, My mom is Italian. Her parents are both from Italy. So I remember the show coming on the air that was basically just a group of Italian women just over the river from where we lived. And I remember being like, oh, I want to watch this. I <laughs> representation matters. And <laughs> um, just hooked immediately. My mom and I watched it together that first season. And it, I, I just remember feeling like I was seeing over exaggerated members of my family on the screen. It felt warm and familiar in a way that I think like a lot of people maybe don't associate with the housewives because they often feel yeah. so deranged and untouchable. But I was like, this is my family. Family. Yeah. So you were kind of like that. That could be my family in a funny way. Like that they could be like second cousins of mine completely and you know that's that's often how large italian families are it's that you're not actually family members with any of the people at the family reunion it's just friends and they call them cousins and so it just it felt so warm and familiar to me and then i want to say it must have been after season two when Teresa put out her first or second cookbook and there is a very small grocery store chain in the Northeast in America called Stu Leonard's. It sort of is like a, like a farmhouse grocery store where like they have their own cows. I mean, it's, there's animatronics. It's ridiculous. It's like a Disney oh my God. grocery stores. And I grew up next to one. There's only five or six maybe. 
And I remember I was at Stu Leonard's with my mom one day and I saw a line of people waiting for something. And I was like, what could they be waiting for at this grocery store? And I peeked my head around and it was Teresa sitting at a table signing the first cookbook. (laughs) I nearly fainted because at that point she was just a celebrity to me. And did you, did you interact with her? Oh, absolutely not. Because you had to pay for a cookbook and I wasn't doing that. Okay. (laughs) You know what? I, it's, you know, it's a sighting is all that it's all you need really. (laughs) Absolutely. And it was when she had the teased hair and the very like Uh. raccoon makeup. It was those days when they were heavy smoky eyes. So you started with New Jersey and I'm guessing then you started dipping a toe into the other housewife cities aside from the jersey ladies that reminded you of home what was what is it about the franchise and the shows that appeals to you so i remember i started watching jersey must have started airing either when i was a senior in high school or or just graduated it was right around that time so i was still able to watch it at home with my mom and then when i went away to college i started watching the other franchises so i think i probably went to Beverly Hills next and New York shortly thereafter much later than the others were Atlanta and um OC I was a late adopter of I didn't I haven't actually watched the first few seasons of OC whoops to me I just was completely enamored with these women because Jersey felt like home Whereas Beverly Hills, which was the next one I watched, felt like an escape, like something completely different. A life I had never known. I had never been to L.A. at that point. So it just was so glitzy and glammy. And, you know, I also was very, very in the closet at the time. I say that, but like, I thought I was very in the closet at the time. And I was around talking about housewives with everybody that I went to college with. So in the closet, was I really? Yeah, that's being gay for you. Like, no one knew. Everyone's like, we knew. We, we knew. knew. <laughs> we were talking about the Richard sisters. We had a feeling. <laughs> For me, I think it was just a, a really good way of grappling with enjoying something that felt in the closet like I shouldn't be able to enjoy. It gave me some sort of relief in a very strange way. I got to watch these in, in quiet in my dorm room. And, you know, it's it's funny. I remember I was thinking about this before we recorded but one of the first conversations I would have about Housewives was I had a I had a work study on campus where I worked in the front office of one of the education buildings. And uh, the the woman who ran the office was this wonderful, very Boston. I went to College of Boston, very Bostonian woman uh, named Patricia. And I'd come in three days a week. I'd come in around lunchtime for my work study. And we'd sit with our sandwiches or our salads. And instead of working, we would just sit there talking about Housewives episodes that we had just watched that week. And uh, to me, I, it, it just, it felt like someone who gets me, someone understands, I don't have to pretend like I'm enjoying, I went to a, a football school. I don't have to pretend every Saturday, like I'm going to the football game and really giving a, a hoot about what's happening here. It just felt like uh, escapism from the, from the, the life I was living at that time. You've hit on something that actually has come up a lot with guests so far, I found, is that it is a way to connects with people and kind of either you both like the same person on a certain show or just even just hearing someone's thoughts and how a certain thing has gone down gives you an insight into how they think and it sounds like you were having that with that lady in Boston. Totally it's and it's become such a shared community too because you know it's very easy for me as a gay person to make fun of straight men doing fantasy sports leagues. I did it literally <laughs> last night. One of my best friends is doing a baseball fantasy league and I laughed it off and was like, oh God, this is so silly. And then I had to remind myself, I mean, really, I had to remind myself that I do the exact same thing with women I've never met. 
um, and <laughs> women I likely will never meet and have been doing it for decades with women I will never meet. But it's nice. It gives me, it's an easy way in with people. There's, there's no judgment if they're not a Bravo person. I, I really don't judge or mind if someone says that they're not into Bravo. It doesn't give me a barometer on their personality or if we're going to get along. But I also know conversely, if they do watch Bravo, that we are going to get along and that we will have a lot to talk about because you can't just passively watch this network. There is no passive watching of Bravo. It just doesn't happen. So I know that they'll have their favorites. They'll have franchises that they fall in love with. They'll have women that they absolutely hate. And a lot of times there's overlap and that's a lot of fun too because you can just stand together and share that. And then there's uh, very oftentimes dissenting opinions and that's equally as fun. You know, when when someone says, I hate this housewife and you were really excited to talk about how much you love them and then you can just take the claws out. I think especially now, I, I mean, you know, New York is blessedly starting to feel like it's opening up again after the pandemic, which is great. It feels like people are are out and vaccinations are really happening at a high clip here, which makes me really prom- feel promising about the fall. But also we haven't had that for a year. We, I, I mean, I think I've read seven versions of the same I miss gossip story. I miss office gossip. I miss gossip about our friends. There's nothing to gossip about. We haven't done anything. We've all been sitting at home. I think the closest mm-hmm. we've gotten to gossip is like people cutting the vaccine line or people going on vacation. And it's just not as fun because it it's all rooted in jealousy because we're all in our homes and we all just want to be out on vacation getting vaccinated. It's not harmless. Exactly. Whereas Housewives, like for the most part, the most fun about it is that it's harmless gossip. It gets dicey. Some of the franchises get deep. They touch on some really hard stuff. That's not as fun. I still enjoy watching all of that because what a microcosm of the human life we're seeing on our 42 minute episodes. But the ones that are fun are like, you know, who said what about who and who's a shit stirrer and, and like, Oh, I can't believe her husband did that. That's to me, something that's been so missing over the past year. I'm not a huge gossip, but also I'm a journalist. So I like talking. I like reporting. I'm interested in people's lives naturally. And so housewives has always been there for me in that regard, but especially in the last year, especially with people that have scattered people like you're in Ireland. I'm in New York. One of my best friends is in the Southwest. She moved from New York and and is, is in uh, New Mexico. And I just, I'm like, okay, well this still tethers us, which is a lovely, strange thing to have keeping us chatting and bonded right now. So you start with Jersey, you went through all these different cities. Is there one that is like, has ended up being your favorite? Is it still Jersey because of how you started with it? Like what's your favorite housewife show? That's a great question. Um, I think the fun of housewives is that it changes for me every single, every single season. I do have a favorite. It, it's, I, I can't say that I don't because I do. And it's like a problematic favorite that disappoints me year after year. And yet I still find myself completely in love with it. And I, I, I don't know if it's the New Yorker in me just loving the idea of the West Coast, but Beverly Hills for me, as soon as Mm -hmm. I discovered it, it felt like everything clicked in terms of like those early seasons of Beverly Hills were so genius. They were the equal parts soap and docu-soap and reality series. And it just was beautiful television. And I know the past few seasons have been dicier. They haven't been as much fun. They haven't been as dramatic as those first few seasons. And also, especially as time has gone on and Housewives has entered its 15th year, which is insane to think about as a franchise they're also self-aware those beverly hills gals so it it has lost a bit of the shine of cameras have stumbled upon this you know this species of frog that has never been seen before and doesn't know what a camera is it's not that anymore 
but I still just love Beverly Hills. For me, it will always be the franchise. It doesn't matter who's on it. It doesn't matter how long it runs. I will, I will follow that one until the end. Whereas, like, there were other franchises I have thought about and ultimately haven't dipping out on just because they were having off years or I didn't care about the women. Beverly Hills, it, a problematic fave. I will keep going back to it no matter who is on, no matter if they have nothing. Yeah, Beverly, you've summed up something that I... Even though, like... I know in my heart of hearts, Beverly Hills is maybe not the most exciting of them. There is something about the visual palette of that show and the clip that it moves at and the sort of like, of all of them, it is the most soft, focused and glamorous. I'm always happy when it's in season and airing because I'm like, okay, they've dragged out one story for six weeks. And meanwhile, in Atlanta, we get one story in 10 minutes and then four more in one episode. But (laughs) there's something about Beverly Hills as like, visual like tv wallpaper that i just love yeah it honestly sometimes can be like watching paint dry but it is the most beautiful expensive paint in the world and if you just <laughs> yes. BS anyway especially in the past <laughs> year i love my apartment i love brooklyn i love new york but watching beverly hills even though last season was fine better than the season before but fine mm-hmm. nothing could have happened and i still would have just sat there with my hands on my chin just completely in awe of how beautiful it always is and like I know people like to complain about the fact that it's heavily cast with actresses or former actresses or people who have been in the industry because, yeah, that takes a little bit of the fun out of the realism. I kind of like it. They know what to deliver for the cameras. They know what to bring. They know what storylines need to happen. It doesn't always work, but you can feel them, especially people like Rinna, pushing it forward and producing the show in a way that like frankly i think some other franchises could use a hint of that energy (laughs) and so we've got like we're talking about beverly hills which isn't on in the air at the moment we have a few cities airing so i want to kind of run through what we have at the moment see where you are just in general so like where are you with atlanta this season atlanta started slow (sighs) atlanta's tough i love atlanta and i waffle between atlanta needs Nini or a Nini like character, someone big, bold, someone who connects them all, but also someone who's divisive at the same time. I don't think Nini needed to stick around, but I also am in a in a way I was not expecting. I'm missing her this season um, because they're all scattered, and I feel like even if she was the target, like she had been in the last I don't know five seasons, if we're being fair it would have given them something all to unite around. And now it just kind of feels a bit scattered in terms of who's fighting with who and who the B and C players are coming in and pushing storylines along. I'm enjoying it. Let me be clear. I'm enjoying Atlanta. Mm -hmm. It really picked up steam with the bachelorette party episode. Obviously everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, I also am finally into Drew as a housewife. I wasn't not into her, but I try and adhere to former guest Brian Moylan's policy to not judge a new <laughs> housewife until whatever it is. The, the edict is what, six episodes? Yeah, he has like four to six. He said you can't judge a new house, the Eileen Davidson Accord or something, where it's like you need to get four it. to six episodes before you write them off or say they're amazing. Yes. So I tried to withhold public judgment from Drew the first half of the season because I was terrified for her living situation and wasn't sure she was working as a housewife. Now I feel like that they're in the same room together at events together, essentially pretending like COVID doesn't exist. We don't love that. But it's nice to see her in the mix. It feels like she actually is a really good part of this group. She's a good sparring partner to someone like Kenya, who I think you're not really going to get a candy standing up to Kenya because candy's above it. You're not really going to get Cynthia doing it because what else does Cynthia have going on? 
Um, so it's nice to have Drew in the mix that way. And even though the B and C players are kind of all over the map, I'm liking LaToya. I'm liking Fallon this week. Fallon and her Medusa drag ripping, <laughs> ripping through that house after that LaToya. It was so weird. It was so funny. And the house was like smoky because they had done the Halloween effects, which yes. just looks like they were on the back lot of like a horror movie. And I was like, this is so weird. And just those scenes of her husband bear hugging her up the stairs. I was like, you know what? Give Fallon a peach. <laughs> I yeah, I, some of the friends of stuff in Atlanta is losing me a bit. Like I feel like Latoya because we're not getting a full time housewife edit of Latoya. What we do get is a little bit too thirsty at times. Yes, Fallon, it feels like she's been dropped. It like Marlo's the only friend of where you're like, okay, your spot on the show makes sense. I would love more of it, but what we do get makes sense. The rest of them, I still think they don't really know where to place them. But that's probably because they're they're new as well. I think it's interesting with Atlanta this season in particular, because obviously they're down a main player like Nini. And I know Nini has left the show before and they had soldiered on. But I think in a pandemic, you lose a centralizing force, positive or negative like that. And you lose a lot of what makes Atlanta exciting, which is mm-hmm. unlike other, you know, there are other franchises where it's a five against one type situation every now and then. Atlanta has always felt like there's one main villain per season, whether that's Kenya, whether that's Nini. Um, whether that's Kim Fields, not a villain in the traditional sense, but just like, why are you here, villain? Um, I think the interesting thing with the bit players in Atlanta this year is it feels very much like Bravo, not trying to reshuffle the deck, but trying to figure out, okay, we can't shoot the way that we normally do. We can't have large group parties, scenes, events, the way that we used to barring Cynthia's wedding, which I could spend an hour talking about that. Um, so it's interesting to see them sprinkle in people like like a Fallon and a Latoya because I think that they're like they need new energy to play with, and it's very clear that they were trying them out for peach holders and like they needed to pad out the space because otherwise it was just going to be five women, and I think we were really going to feel the COVID absence of it all. Um, so I'm happy they're there because it makes it feel in a way, even if I'm not connecting with all of them, more alive. Um, I agree. I like Latoya, but like. Whew, you can really feel herself producing that storyline in a way that is like, yeah, you can feel her reaching for the peach is what's happening. Whereas Drew, I think, naturally settled into it. You're, it's funny you brought up Cynthia's wedding. I like it looks actually like quite a beautiful ceremony, and it she seems besotted with her new husband. But it's bizarre to think that the show, because the story in the press at the time was that basically. Bravo had put up the money to film outdoors at all the precautions and testing needed for their crew and et cetera, et cetera. But it was to be outdoors. And as we saw on the show, there was a freak, like hurricane, rainstorm, mm-hmm. weather event. So they had to move it indoors. And Bravo said, no, we can't film this. And just the amount of people that were in that wedding. I was just like, this is <sighs> wild. This season even like say, okay, 20 to 30 people. And they were all tested. It was just like, there's so many people here. Like it was... It was wild. And we were seeing the kind of the wedding photographers, like video reel and like footage off people's phones. I was like, no, this well, okay. is crazy. To me, it was stressful. I was like, are we going to get an Avengers snap style? Every housewife we care about gets COVID because we had like, <laughs> we had like a Karen Huger there. We had like an yeah. Eva who is not on the show. But like uh, Giselle, I think, was in the bill. I was worried for my faves. I was like, guys, I understand Cynthia is a beautiful woman and we love love and we love celebrating my kill and that love. But like, at what cost? Please, God. <laughs> and I also like... <laughs> it was sort of grimly funny like 
the night before and like Cynthia seemed really worried about the wedding and the safety stuff and then that weird scene where she's outside on the porch at Candy and, and Eva and, and Kenya and she's like oh Wendy Williams had some things to say and they're like flashing up a headline Wendy Williams slams Cynthia Bailey I was like I love when Wendy Williams is like a side player on Real Housewives yeah that's I've missed her with the Nini absence so it was nice to see her dip in and I have to say I, I was never really sold on Eva except for when she and Marlo were in the van on that group trip and they spent an hour reading each other back and forth, which I listen, you and I were talking about the Snyder cut before this, please release the Atlanta cut of that, of that (laughs) van ride because I'd watch a full hour of them just reading each other. And I didn't really care for her on the show. I didn't not like her, but I just didn't think she brought anything. And for whatever reason, it was nice to see her dip back in this week. It felt fresh. Yeah. I suppose because to be fair, like with Eva, when she was not, she was on the show for a while as a friend of and now full time. And, She's been on a lot of other reality shows and she started out in Top Model. So like, I think there's a generation of us where we've kind of grown up seeing Eva on TV. So it's like, it is fun when she dips in. And also I do like that about Housewife shows when we see people who've been on the show or friends of return randomly because it just gives you a sense that their lives kind of go on whether they're filming or not, which sometimes when it just feels like they're only speeches or if there's a camera, it's not as fun. Whereas when someone pops up, you're like, oh, maybe they're still friends even though we don't see them on the show. Like it does add to the texture of the world. World, I suppose. Talk about friends and are they still friends? The Tanya of it all. I am with uh, our Come Through Queen <gasps> friends. I am a big Tanya fan, but it has felt glaring after seasons of having her regularly in the mix to post Bachelorette, watch her completely. I mean, th- th- what they say, she fled to Canada? <laughs> it's bizarre because their stories in the press were that after the Bolo Bachelorette thing, Tanya was really unhappy with the way it got brought up and she just walked off filming, but like they haven't addressed that on the show really and i'm kind of like we're already seeing headlines and fourth wall being broken like bring that in bring in that she's not here like it is bizarre it seems like an editorial decision i'm curious if they'll address at the reunion because tanya is likable and like she's part of the fabric of the show the last few years it's like very odd that they just like okay bye (laughs) yeah and i I think very believe you know we're recording this in what is it late march and i think the reunion taped yesterday and by all accounts she wasn't there which is also kind of wild because they i believe 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 latoya was there marlo was there and i believe even fallon was there come on if no shade but if fallon can come but then also, I'm just like, will they just even address it? Like, will Andy say, well, you know, Toya, or Tanya, excuse me, like, like Tanya actually stopped filming after this trip. Why do you think that is? Like, I want them to address I just, I'd love odd, it. Because they rarely don't address something like that on Anna Housewives. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I wonder if they think maybe they can get away with not addressing it because she's never been a featured player. Do you know what I mean? She's never held a peach. And I wonder yeah. if, they, if they think they could just write her off the fabric of the show. It'll be interesting to see if that happens because I would be disappointed. I enjoyed her presence. I didn't need her to hold a peach, but I liked her in the mix. Yeah, and she was, I liked that Tanya like is a part of like a grand tradition of slightly jorky, like goofy characters that come up in these shows that you kind of need so like she definitely had a certain something but anyway we'll see who knows what will happen at the <laughs> reunion um, we also have Dallas airing at the moment which I think was hit by the COVID restrictions in a similar way in terms of filming and has now about halfway through found a, a rhythm again because they're more in group scenes and stuff how do you feel about Dallas because it feels like a second string kind of housewife show but I've been watching the last weeks and I'm like no actually it's been good it's gotten good again it's gotten good I've always liked Dallas um, 
Its early seasons were great because Leanne Locken had not fully transitioned into nightmare person. She was certainly frightening to watch, but I think was a, a, a more traditional housewives villain and hadn't escalated. So I liked those early seasons, but it got it got rough with the the Carrie Brittingham stuff. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I think everyone was happy to be gone with Leanne. She crossed a line for sure, and it's not even about. There's been a conversation even with Brandy okay, should we hold this person accountable and bring them back in the fold? And I think because we had a reunion where Leanne had to have her feet held to the fire, for me, I was like, I'm out. Like, this person just brought a really nasty, negative, like, racially, like, insensitive energy to the show. And the con- the contrition and the sympathy just felt like for was being played up. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I think we got all we needed out of Leanne. Completely. Even storyline-wise, realistically, where was she going to go? And it's been interesting in a funny way, Dr. Tiffany Moon is completely different to Leanne, but the one thing that they have done with her and with Deandra bit is they've sort of, they have like Tiffany Moon as this bold, like I'm this kind of person and I'm strong in what and how I act in this group. And that they have actually replaced the energy in a weird way, even though they're obviously completely different characters. Yeah, I have really enjoyed Tiffany joining the mix. I'm not the first, nor will I be the last to say it. I will say... She didn't lose me at any point, but it, and I don't, and I don't think that this is any fault of her own. But it did feel in the middle for a stretch, like she was over trying to be a part of this group to make connections with them. You know, it's tough. I, I know, especially in COVID times, joining a new group and an established friend group. My God, how difficult that could be in in just normal times, where you know they have their rhythms, they have their existing jokes and friendships and stories and memories. I have to imagine breaking into that, especially with a racist like Brandy Redman is probably incredibly difficult. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so there was a moment where it felt like, and again, it really didn't feel like any fault of her own. Tiffany was trying so hard and it read kind of icky because there was no other way to perceive it other than it, you could, you could just smell it on her that she really wanted to be liked. And that I think, you know, the human condition is such that you, you sense that and feel kind of like, oh, I got to back away from this for a second. Um, but it, I'm really happy because I think she is incredibly smart, incredibly good television, uh, a, a great sign of what Bravo has in the can in terms of the future of these franchises where they're bringing in um, non-white women with jobs, frankly, let's be honest about it. Um, <laughs> Mama D energy there. Right. She has a job. <laughs> <laughs> it's been nice to see her settle into the mix and have everyone, I think, have everyone feel like oh, right, she's here, she's part of this, she's playing, let's let her in as best as we can. I'm glad we've gotten through the Brandy stuff because I think that was weighing the whole group down. I think everyone was sort of waiting with bated breath in the Dallas women for that to resolve itself. I think that was a real barrier of entry for Tiffany where they were like, our loyalty is to this one woman and there is a new woman. And I think there was just some real weird tension there that the hairdresser was able to work out of them at that shaman session. Um, so mazel to him. Um, but I, I have liked it. I've liked Dallas this season. I went in not knowing what to expect. I have always enjoyed Dallas. I am a strong proponent that Stephanie Holman is a better housewife than she gets credit for. I don't think she gets yeah knocked down necessarily, but I think she's a really important part of the puzzle, and I really like her yeah in the mix. Actually, um, Nolan, my partner for Christmas last year, got me a Stephanie Holman cameo. Um, the first and only cameo I have ever received. It was spectacular. I haven't. What did she I, say? 
So I didn't actually post it anywhere at the time because I was in an old job and I was struggling with some workplace changes and I was uh, just going through the the motions of, do I want a a new job? Am I happy here? Should I stick things out? And I think Nolan knew I really liked Stephanie and also having watched the show, I think knew Stephanie was like, had dealt with some anxiety and depression struggles and was like, let me have her speak on what she would do in this case. And she gave me like a three minute cameo with actual (gasps) action items about like, I'm so sorry to hear this. Like I've been in a similar situation and here's what I did and here's what works for me. And here's what I think you need to remember. And here's a great way to contextualize it. And I didn't publish it anywhere because I didn't want, you know, my then employers to know, (laughs) right. I didn't want my employers to be like, Oh, he's unhappy here. Um, but I, I have gone back and watched it since and have been like, oh my God, a truly good woman. I I kind of like, I mean, that is so adorable and kind of, it totally fits how I perceive Stephanie just from the shows. But I also think it will be low key iconic if you were like leaving the job and you're like, um, I'm not handing in my resignation. I'm sending you this cameo. And it's like, so I'm like, um, and I can tell you're not happy. So I think you should leave. <laughs> like, you just heard in her polite baby voice, like walking your boss through the fact that you're like, I'm out. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> and it was nice too, because, you know, I think some, if you get a cameo from Brandy, you're going to get her, as we've seen on the show, talking about the healing power of God. And that's fine for people who believe. But it was nice because yeah. I had I had a Stephanie moment who I'm sure is religious because she's yeah. from Texas and that's how that happens in the South. But I got, you know, her talking about um, uh, a gratitude journal, but not just saying like, get a gratitude journal. She talked about like, okay, these are the three most recent entries I put in it. And so like, I want to tell you it can be this small and it could be this hap. Like it doesn't have to be these magnanimous giant things. It can be very little things. Like I got up today, I went for a walk. I like, I stayed well hydrated. And it was just, I was like, oh, wow. It, it just, it felt really wonderful and you've seen housewives cameos before ramona slurring drunkenly it's okay to be gay and a little effeminate which is iconic (laughs) but also like that's not what i wanted from my cameo in the the throes of my anxiety right yes you're in like a tough life moment during a global pandemic i think maybe ramona going it's okay to be gay and a little feminine (laughs) you're like yeah i know it is but that's not what i need advice on completely it's just so i will always always go to bat for stephanie holman Um, that's so nice so i have enjoyed dallas this season and i would like brandy to come back next year in the wake of the alleged video that just came out about her husband we'll see but right so now we're in this weird thing where like brandy put out a statement that was like sort of this religious sort of like like had a religious tone to it and it seemed to be saying I'm walking away from something difficult and it sounded like she was leaving the show and then there's I mean and to be fair we forget that like her mother-in-law died in a car crash that her her very young child was in and the child thankfully survived but obviously the mother-in-law didn't so like they're going through this very difficult family drama and like I'm not giving Brandy free pass because on the show I've struggled with some of the stuff she said I'm not like oh we can't we have to forgive and forget but it's clear she's going through stuff. There's now infidelity rumors after an elite video that's allegedly the husband from possibly a few years ago or something. So in a way, I'm like, yeah, there's storylines here, but also it does sound like perhaps there is actual heavy life stuff that means she wouldn't want to film. And there's other speculative stuff about the kids and paternity that actually feels a bit like even too mean Oof. to bring up here. But like, who knows? So yeah, but I will say, just haven't heard you say the idea that like, any celeb of any stature would do a three minute long cameo and almost think in detail about advice they give. It's just fascinating because 
if I got 30 seconds of a fade just being like, hey, bitch, I'd be like, iconic, they said my name. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining Stephanie with the journal being like, let me like show you. Like, that's so, so detailed. It's fascinating. Anyway, It was touching. It really was. I was completely taken aback and it made me feel so appreciative of her i had always loved her um and, and and nolan beautifully did his research beforehand i'm i'm one of my very good friends and i i mentioned her earlier she and i text about housewives all the time and he mm-hmm. checked in with her and was like hey i want to get him this cameo and these are the three or four <gasps> wives that i'm thinking about and she was the one who was like go with stephanie holman that's the right choice because he's not fully plugged into the the wives verse um he knows the players, but doesn't watch necessarily all of the, fr- he did watch Salt Lake city with me from the beginning because he was like, oh, I, wow. can, I can get in at the ground floor here. But I just was so appreciative that he did the work and was like, Stephanie Holman is the one. Oh God. That's a couple goals. If I ever get with somebody, <laughs> I want them to like get me an absolute all on point housewives cameo. Um, have you had any other real housewives run-ins then like in that vein on social media or in person? Cause obviously you've interviewed a lot of people. Not yeah. Just in housewives world. Um, well, I live in New York, so I have run into them in the city before, the New York gals specifically. Um, Ooh. I uh, didn't I didn't interact with her, but I did get to watch her yell at an assistant, and I'm talking about Bethany. <laughs> uh, I, was, oh, wow. I was in um, Soho House for an interview. I, I, I'm not a member, but someone was having me there for lunch, and um, I was waiting in the lobby for them to arrive and she had just come out of a lunch and was sort of like yelling at an assistant on the phone and she walked by me and Ooh. I just sat there wrapped with attention. I had headphones and I took them out. I was paying attention to everything. I couldn't get a lot of details, but it was just fascinating to see her in the wild. Completely beautiful. Looks exactly like you think she would. Um, really owns a space. It's a very small lobby in the Soho house and just like yeah, t- it took it I've over. Been, I've been there, guys. I've <laughs> been to Soho house in New York. Thank you. <laughs> so that, I had that encounter. Um, there was also one time a few years ago where New York has a few airports and I live in Brooklyn. Yes. For whatever reason, I flew into Newark, which is technically in New Jersey. Um, yes. So taxis often to get to Brooklyn will cut through Manhattan from New Jersey. So it yeah. did, it came through the tunnel. We were cutting through Chinatown. It must've been on canal street and we were in bumper to bumper traffic. And I just was dying to get home. It was late in the afternoon and I was exhausted. It was, I think it was an international flight. And I just was like, I'm going to open the window. I need some fresh air. And I looked outside and a woman looked at me and it was years after she was on the show. Um, but it was, uh, the woman who had the vajazzling business, the one season wonder on New Jersey, on uh, New York. Cindy Barshop. Cindy Barshop. It was Cindy Barshop. Oh my God. And I think <laughs> I, I normally keep my cool around people, but for whatever reason, housewives, it's different. And I think I was jet lagged. So I just shouted, Cindy Barshop. And she looked at me and waved <laughs> and I waved back and she just went about her day. <laughs> I'm howling as well, because years ago, you mentioned Come Through Queen earlier, Brendan Davis from Come Through Queen tweeted Cindy Barshop and said, hey, Cindy, my friend Connor and Adam Ian is a huge fan all the way from Ireland. He would love if you followed him. And I didn't, I'd never even seen Cindy Barshop's Twitter, so I wasn't following her at all. And they literally, within like an hour of the tweet, it said, Cindy Barshop followed you. And I was oh, like, oh my wow. God. How did that feel? <laughs> it was just so funny because it was like Brendan being a troll. I was like, for fuck's sake. So I just was like, 
I'm going to check if she still follows me, but I just didn't interact because I felt a bit weird about it. But it just makes me laugh because I'm like, I wonder, does she ever like open her Twitter and see a random tweet from me and be like, here's this guy again. Hey, we both have had a Cindy Barsha run in. We so sure have. So, so those are my oh, New York ones. I've seen I've seen like Dor- Dorinda's John driving around. My parents live in the city now. They moved in from the suburbs. So I've like seen him around, which is not that exciting. The Probably the biggest one that I have had, though, is that a couple months ago I interviewed Bronwyn from OC for a profile that I was doing of her. So that was the first real and only housewife interaction I have had. I actually, I wanted to ask you about that because you interviewed her for Bustle and it was a really interesting piece because it was after she had come out as gay and it was just before the reunion aired, I think. And then during the reunion, Bronwyn sort of, there was a moment where she seemed to kind of go too far with stuff about Shannon's kid. And then I think she walked it back a bit, but like there was a sense that the reunion sort of set out the people who like Brahman and the people who don't. So I think you got to her at a very interesting time. So what was it like getting to chat with her? And like, was there any, I guess, follow up from her after? Because obviously your piece came out and then she she seems very interested in how her image comes across in the media. That was a really interesting one. I, I pitched it a few months before it published. Um, so I've been working behind the scenes on it for probably three months. Um, and it must've been right around the time that OC had begun airing its most recent season. So we knew that she was sober because she had already talked about that in interviews promoting the season. And I had, I had gotten a little birdie in my ear that she was also queer and was going to come out. Uh, so I, I, I knew that that was coming and I just was like, I also knew that this spring is the 15 year anniversary of OC and of the Housewives franchise in general. So to me, she felt like a really interesting case study. You like her, you don't like her. That sort of goes out the window for me. She seemed just like a great person to dive into where the franchise was, where it began and where it has come since then. Um, Because she just is, like I said, you love her, you hate her. She is an interesting example of a modern day housewife um so it was fascinating i have to tell you she was one of the most open interviews i have ever gotten um really did not pull any punches did not hold anything back i think that's probably not a huge surprise if you've watched her on the show because she's quite open there too uh probably more open with me than she was on the show or at least it was edited out of the show um we spent a few hours together on a zoom um and then we had a number of follow-up interviews um, over the phone as things changed on the show, just because I wanted to keep things fresh and keep the reporting modern. Um, she also reached out several times to say, you know, I have more to say, or I've been thinking about this thing. And as a reporter, that's kind of a dream. Like, it, 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 there's nothing better than when a source wants to talk to you more. Um, because one of the most interesting things as a reporter is when a source leads you someplace that might be different from where your questions were. I just like following people. If they have a story that they want to tell me that's different from what I thought the story was, I'm, I I love following them down that rabbit hole. And she just took me down a million of them. Um, so yeah, the, 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 the Shannon stuff came up. That was in later interviews because I had gotten to see screeners and I knew that it was going to happen on air. And I think even a radar online or something broke the news that, you know, Bronwyn accused of offering Shannon Bedore's young daughter cocaine or whatever the 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 yeah it leaks just before it aired and it it leaked but when i saw it i was like they've actually they had twisted the context slightly yes that it was a good thing but they 
they contextualize it a little bit differently on the show. And it was funny because I went in going, well, I've heard this one. What's... And then you were like, oh, it's actually slightly different. Completely. And she and I actually got on the phone right after that headline leaked because she wanted to elaborate and I got to dig into it. And it's more or less exactly what you saw on the show. She just dug in a bit more about what happened after filming. And so we got really into... I just find her fascinating. She was a great interview. And I also got to speak with uh, the one of the exec producers of the show who spent an hour with me just talking about her and the show in general and contextualizing her within OC's history. You know, OC has had a lot of heavy hitters over the years. You've got your Vickies, your Tamras, your Heather Dubrows, your Kelly Dodds, your Shannons. And I, I don't know that Bronwyn necessarily stands up to them in terms of legacy, because I think all of those women were beloved at one point. And I think Bronwyn maybe had one season where people liked her and then a season where she was a bit more polarizing. I would like to see what she would do with a third season, is my opinion of her. Having spoken with her in depth multiple times, I think she has a lot to give. I totally understand the, she likes the fame. She calls the paparazzi on herself. She told me she doesn't call the paparazzi on herself. I don't think that made the story, but I'm not afraid to say that here. She says she does not do that. Uh, I don't know that I believe her for worth. <laughs> uh, but I do think she's an interesting character. And like, I don't know, what else does OC have? Emily? <laughs> oh god <laughs> i don't know why there's something so deliciously shady about how you said that but yes i, t- I take your point no I-, I agree with you for the most part like i liked brahman quite a bit in her first season i went in and out of liking her in her second season but i still was interested and i kind of feel like i don't know Sure, you could argue that some of her activism is performative but also and you could argue that she's fame hungry but it's kind of like some of the stuff what we're berating her for is stuff that still makes her a great television real housewife character like it's just about she needs to be in a mix of people i do think they need someone on her wavelength slightly or someone as combustible as her who's sort of a bit of a firecracker and sees eye to eye, her, eye, to eye with her and thinks so she's something of an ally because they had such a weird uh, like truncated version of oc because of covid filming and stuff i i think bronwyn end up being kind of the villain at times when as annoying as she was, she didn't feel like the villain to me. She felt like a flawed, interesting character. On a, and to be fair, sobriety is no joke. I mean, when you, people have joked about, you know, how much more we're all drinking in lockdown and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Like watching someone play out a sobriety journey almost day by day, almost to the dot that they start filming a season of a show is... You don't get that very often. So I... I don't know. I understand some of the criticism and I wouldn't be like a blind stan like the way I've had to like really park my Erica Jane obsession the last <laughs> year or so. But um, I would love a bit more Bronwyn and we'll see. I mean, it's from what Andy Cohen has said, they're basically just holding off an OC for the moment yeah. and seeing what works. But it's interesting too, you said there she followed up with you and I know that's kind of part of the course. Sometimes you do check in with interviews and you said yourself you wanted to update the story. When she's like following up, is that like she's texting you in the middle of the night? Is she calling you? Is it, hey, I've sent you an email via, you know, your editor. I'd love to read. Like, how does that work? And is it surreal? And you're like, there's a housewife calling me on my phone. Completely surreal. Um, Yeah, she and I have each other's cell numbers because. (gasps) Call her now. Call her now. Call her. (laughs) Put on speaker. (laughs) She, She had reached out to me after the interview to. Uh, thank me and to say how much uh, she enjoyed it and uh, wanted to touch base because she knew that the story wasn't going to run for a few more weeks and said, you know, let's just stay in touch in case there's anything else you need. So when the Shannon stuff was happening, that was her and her PR team getting in touch via email and also text just to say, 
um, we'd love to get on get her on the phone. Are you available now? That kind of stuff. Uh, by no means do we have a texting relationship, but it was her just reaching out to say, I have more to say. Do you have time? Mm-hmm. When do you have time? Um, you know, I think the interesting thing that you mentioned about her is that something more largely about housewives I've been thinking a lot about, and I think this story precipitated it for me, which was the idea that you have to like these women. I think yeah. it's become for one reason or another, and I think there are many reasons, and I think that we could spend hours on it. I think it's become overly black and white, the Housewives franchises, for many facets of the fandom, uh, where it's you have to love them, and if not, they are a villain. I don't think that's fair. Uh, I think one of the things about Housewives that is interesting to me is that you don't have to love everybody to appreciate what they're bringing to the table. Quite frankly, I didn't love Bronwyn in her second season as a as a character, but I do think she brought something interesting to the show. And for that alone, I am deeply appreciative and think she's at least willing of willing to be considered for a third season. I think she's worthy of that, and I think she's earned it. I think it's way too easy because of how social media has flattened opinions out and any nuance has sort of been ironed out of opinions and criticism it's so easy to put these women into a i like them or a get them off the show box and i think that's kind of not how the housewife started like think about those early new jersey let's just go back to the one that i started with danielle was a horrible villain on camera i'm not saying as a person i don't know her personally we can all assume based on what we know about her from her persona on screen I'm just talking about in terms of the show, she was a beast on that show. But we all, I think, at those early junctions, loved her for it because, my God, she got Teresa to flip a table. Teresa flipping a table doesn't happen without a deeply heinous person like Danielle. And I think we've gotten 15 years later and it's become a little bit more like, okay, well, if you don't have someone like Bronwyn, then what are you getting out of the other women? Because who's Shannon fighting with Gina? Like, I just, it, it, you know, we didn't get much this season of OC, but the little that we did get felt like was because of her. So I think it's just, I've been thinking a lot about the way opinion about Housewives because of, you know, all these different Instagram accounts, many of whom I follow that are just fan accounts because I like getting the tea about filming and who's DMing each yeah. other and who's commenting on each other's posts because I don't have the time to follow that on my own. I, those accounts, it's been it's been really easy for nuance to slip through the cracks when it comes to housewives. So the reason I think someone like a Bronwyn is interesting is because she doesn't fit into a box. She doesn't fit into the housewives hero. She doesn't clearly, I think, fit into the housewives villain, though she took on a lot of that role this season. And I think because of that, people have easily written her and women like her on other franchises off. And I think, like, we have to remember... Without those cogs in the machine, the machine doesn't run. Yeah, it's it's actually, you know, cogs in the machine is such a great way of putting it because I think you need people who are a bit more volatile and who are willing to, like, combust in a scene. You need people who are good narrators who maybe are, or who, like, go between people and kind of, like, people joke about Sheree when she was on Atlanta's The Bone Collector. Like, you need, to me, you always need a point of view, kind of, quote-unquote, normal or more grounded one who kind of goes like Gina for example on OC like was some of her actual storyline was a bit depressing but I like that Gina was sort of a point of view for us the audience to be like what is going on here Eileen did it on Beverly Hills Robin does it on Potomac so you're right it's a it's a I mean it's in the broadest sense Housewives is an ensemble television show it's not a one-woman show it's not a two-hander comedy it is really always about a group and 
a group needs dynamics. So we've been chatting with Bronwyn and like villains and all that kind of thing. And we've mentioned Teresa in passing. I'm curious what you think of this season of New Jersey and kind of Teresa's role in it, because it does feel like at times they're putting Teresa in a villain box, but we're also still getting a lot of stuff about her family and life stuff that isn't, you know, that that does kind of incur sympathy from us as viewers. Yeah. there. You know, I have watched every season of Jersey. Um, when it when it aired i am i am religious about the show i love new jersey still to this day it for me it will never reach the peaks of those i'd call it maybe seasons one through five if we're if we're extending it that far the early years pre gorgas plus the first few gorgas years and wakili's you know he's a trumper now but at least the wakili's it was interesting having them in the mix because of what they activated in Teresa. um and then I think there were a few years where it stumbled and they were trying to recast and figure out who was a good fit in the mix. And you had your Siggy, which please, no airtime for that woman. Um, but I have loved it. I think they have the perfect cast right now, really and truly. I think they have figured out the mix beautifully. Um, there's a few of them who bring to me nothing. But I think as you and I are talking about this idea of the mix and the ensemble, I think that's necessary. Uh, you know, I, I don't get a lot from Melissa, but if Melissa's not there, you kind of lose a foil for Teresa or at least someone to ground her and contextualize her. I think, I think same with Dolores. Dolores, I think is a a beautiful woman. I think she's stunning. And I think I love all of her storylines with her kids and I love Frank and I don't care for the boyfriend whatsoever. And I think she deserves better, but at least it's interesting. But also I think you could have her off the show and it would be the same show, except you lose the context for Teresa once again. And I think it's important to have those sort of two anchors for her there. I love Margaret. I love Margaret. Just like you could have thrown Margaret into the mix season one and it would have felt just as organic as it does now. Yeah. The Teresa stuff is interesting because I have always loved her. I think she is probably up there, and I know this makes me basic and controversial, but (laughs) I think she's up there with Lisa Vanderpump as one of my favorite wives. And I'm not saying best housewives. I am just saying, you know, personal favorite, what they have brought to the show and what I find interesting about them. And Teresa is interesting because she is a fundamentally bad person. I, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a lot of people <laughs> to argue there. I, I think I think she has good intentions a lot of the time, um, but I think most of the time she is willing to uh, sink into the darkness and just be who she naturally is. I think she's done some great seasons of self-rehab and, and you know, I'm not drinking this season or this is the season about my do- my four daughters and this is the season about fitness and I think she's done some nice image rehab, but it's kind of nice to see her slink back into the, like, red horns that have been there all along. It felt like we've missed that for a few years. I think the, the post-prison years, we got a lot of, uh, I'm a nice woman, I'm a good woman, I'm a, I'm a tax-paying woman. Um, so it, it has been, I think, for the show for me as a fan, incredibly beneficial to have her back in the mix because it felt like she was floating above it for a really long time. And that's not what I want from these women. I need them to be activated. I don't need them to be like, you know, uh, let's be honest, Elisa Vanderpump in her later seasons where she was refusing to engage. I still love her, but I didn't need her on the show those years because she was not willing to scrap. Whereas it feels like this year, Teresa's willing to scrap. And I'm like, oh, good, great. This is what I need from her. 
Yeah. Now it, and it's funny you bring up how Melissa and Dolores contextualize Teresa because it's also like Dolores will like kind of no, she's gotten better at it, but she'll sort of blindly defend most things Teresa does. And I'm oh, like Dolores. But then also Melissa just being like, Well, you can't say that to Teresa because like we know she doesn't understand metaphors analogies you can't use analogies Teresa will never understand what that means I've tried to like the way she the way they come kind of the line away with it. they walk right up to the line these women of calling her stupid and they don't do it yeah a smarter <laughs> person would know that they're calling her stupid I think that's what makes it so fun obviously as longtime Housewives fans we love the taglines we love all the who gets to say what each season but if you were on the show what would your tagline be and why Ooh, this is a great question and I have thought a lot about it and I also think it's changed over the years and I think one of the things I love is always rereading or rewatching the old seasons to see what worked or like, Oh, some real clunkers in the mix. Um, I actually did as many of us did. And I know many of your former guests on the show have done a lot of deep dives back into the shows over the break, the break quote unquote, it's my nice way of putting it. So I don't get anxious about it all over again. Um, (laughs) I dove back into Jersey from season one, even though I had done it and I watched it all the way through again. And I did the same with Beverly Hills and, you know, Lisa Vanderpump, you can read her for many things fairly, justly, and deservedly, but the woman had incredible taglines over the years. Um, the one that really strikes out, stands out to me is the um, throw me to the wolves and I shall return leading the pack, I believe is what it was. Yeah, that's like, that's like, throw me to the wolves and I shall return leading the pack like the <laughs> delivery i'm like okay like someone someone did shakespeare in college someone has a little thespian they want to get out here someone has an excellent ghost writer who watched the clips of the season and some summarized True. it in a beautiful way for me that's a good question i've had a few so i'm trying to decide which one i want to land on i think it would be something like um and I think, you know, we've we've talked a bit about this, but I've gone through a lot of career transition in the past year. I left a job that I was, you know, struggling at and I've gone full-time freelance and I've really enjoyed that in a way. I've gotten to write, you know, your beautiful intro. I was like, oh yeah, I did do that this year. Got yeah, to write, bitch, I did that. Bitch, I did that. <laughs> got to write for some dream places. So for me, I think the mantra I have kept in mind the past year feels like a tagline, which is, underestimate me at your loss watch me soar or something like that because truly it was uh oh really you didn't you didn't know what you had until it was gone because like oh i'm too far now you can't get me back yeah something like that's we need some yeah so okay so you're it's so your your housing storyline would be like self-empowerment after a change within your career structure so I, i like that it has to be like you know, if you're a writer and a journalist, like, and you've interviewed so many stars, I'm wondering, like, I've spoken to stars, and I am one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Something like that. Something that plays off of, I don't know, I always brainstorm with people. I think we're, we're like, I watched the spotlight from afar. Now all eyes are on me. Yes, yes. So something I love to ask every guest on the show is, you're having a dinner party, you can invite five people from Housewives World, Housewives themselves, friends of, side players, husbands, whoever. Who are you asking and why? Number one, Lisa Vanderpump. Um, oh. I, I have a lot I want to ask her about her time right. on the show. I have a lot I want to ask her about her finances. Um, 
And it's better for me to do that in a much more casual setting. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Just sit her down and start being like, so how do you make money? <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen, a, and I actually would recommend it if you're looking for just an easy, like a Saturday morning, how do I pad out my my next few hours aimlessly is she started airing a show here. I imagine maybe Hey You has picked it up or Will uh, called Overserved. Over mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so I've only seen the first episode because I think we're only two in and it's, yeah. it's just her hosting celebrity dinner parties at her own house. And I watch because I miss her. I, I just do. I liked her in the mix. I didn't like her towards the end, but I did enjoy her. Yeah. And she was such a staple of that show that for some reason, part of me has been wanting Lisa back on camera I actually really liked it. I thought it was charming. She works really well separated from the drama. She didn't seem interested in that towards the end. Um, the first episode is with Vivica A. Fox and Lance Bass and his husband. Um, it's a delight. She and, and my God, if we're talking about dinner parties, the woman really does know how to host a soiree. So, so if LVP is our first yes. guest giving us LVP overserved energy at the dinner party, who else are we bringing? Uh, I would love Sheree to be at the table. Okay. Um, I find her, she, she's a great wife in terms of, uh, she works perfectly in the mix. I don't care so much mm-hmm. about what she has going on in her own life, but the way that she interacts with any cast members, cause she's been through so many iterations of it. She just has proven herself as a, a true legend in Atlanta. And I, I think she's funny. I think she is 80% self-aware, which is a lot more than most of the people on these shows. And I also want to ask her about she by Sheree, like, like, spring summer <laughs> joggers oh my god uh so she's one of them for sure uh i mean we've talked about her but let me let me throw stephanie in the mix because i'd like to thank okay. her for that absolutely yeah. beautiful cameo she'd probably yeah she'd probably be like oh, oh, did you do your gratitude journal <laughs> <laughs> she'd like have questions for you she'd I make think. us all go around the table and say something yeah. we we're grateful for oh, i want us all to say something we're grateful for I want to say a Potomac lady deserves to be at that table because for me, mm-hmm. that franchise is just the crown jewel in their current run. I, it's got to be Karen Huger. It just does. She's one of the funniest yeah, women on television. Dumb. Just yeah. an absolute genius. And then I would say I would like to have Brandy Glanville there. Uh, not because I necessarily think she needs to be back on the show, but because I think uh, much like we've been talking about over and over the mix, I think she would bring a lot out of the other women because she is not afraid to have a couple drinks and ask questions that I might hesitate to. <laughs> so she's going to basically ask the awkward questions you are too polite to ask. Fully. Plus imagine her and LVP <laughs> in a room together in 2021. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, Lisa would be so like, she'd be like really nice to you because she'd be the first to arrive. And then you'd be like, oh yeah, the rest of my guests are arriving and Brandy would walk in and Lisa would just give you daggers. She'd be like, fuck you. It'd be incredible. I enjoyed Brandy flitting back into Beverly Hills for the briefest of moments with the Denise stuff because it activated Denise in a way that Denise was sleeping. So it was nice. I enjoyed having her there for that. Yeah, although like the Brandy Denise thing went so back and forth. The only element of that that I really enjoyed was when... (laughs) When Brandy was at the baby shower thing, which felt so produced, as if Brandy would ever go to Teddy's baby just shower. Just randomly showed up at the Capri room <laughs> at the Buca de Beppo. And they sat there at the Capri room with the Buca de Beppo. They kick out Teddy's actual friends and have a really weird conversation where Brandy basically details, you know, sexual acts that her and Denise allegedly did in the bedroom. <laughs> and Tarina's just like, I'm sorry, Brandy. But I believe Denise. <laughs> I just thought that was one of the funniest things. Like she sat there right in front of us. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I can't.
What do you think about the All-Stars, by the way? The rumored cast, I know you've you've mentioned it a bit, but I'm I'm wondering how your feelings are because I believe it goes into filming next week. I think quarantine ends and the filming cameras go up. Um, I mean, I mentioned on social media, I've not talked about it here because I was sort of waiting to have like a little more confirmation, like, because sometimes I'll do an intro about a certain news item that week or whatever. But um, I'm into the idea in the sense that like, Housewives trips and them going away always brings out the best in the shows in general. The rumor cast is people like Luan and I think Cynthia and Melissa and I think Kenya has been mentioned. Like they sort of have picked established like like veteran cast members who know how to turn it on and know how to bring good storylines. So I'm curious. Like, I'm excited to see it because like it'll probably be six to eight episodes max. Like they're only filming for a few weeks apparently or mm-hmm. two weeks or something. So like it's a fun experiment and it's something that we've all wanted for a while. So it'll be interesting then like, you know, like say we're in the era of the Marvel Cinematic Universe where <laughs> if they do a TV series, it then follows into blah. And if they do a movie, it's part of a schedule and that movie leads into the next movie. And then there's a sequel to that movie. Like, will this be filmed so that it is a bridge between say, I don't know, a season of New York into a season of OC or will it be a like or will it happen in its own little bubble where it's not even referenced on the other shows? Like I would love if say on New York, the season airs, Luan has her Housewives All-Stars moment and then that gets mentioned on Mm. the New York reunion. Like I'm just curious about like, don't laugh everyone, but the world building, like, you know what I mean? Like there is the kind of like how they'll integrate it all together. So well, I'm really cur- like I'm excited. Obviously, that's the main thing. <laughs> I have to tell you, my hope for it is I think the cast that has been rumored sounds great. I'm not quite sure what the overlap is between franchises. I'm not quite sure what existing yeah. drama happens. I know, you know, we've seen them all come together at things like Bravo's uh, a- a- Andy's Baby Shower. We've seen them come together at BravoCon at Watch What Happens Live. So there is some crossover, but I don't. It's interesting because it's not like we're putting a Ramona and. Um, uh, uh, Dolores in and I know they don't like each other or like a yeah. Ramona and Giselle <laughs> because they don't like each other. It's always Ramona. Oh my God. So I do, I'm interested in that. What I am hopeful for in a dream world and I know maybe this is asking a lot of COVID because that's obviously still a major important consideration is the thing about trips that I think really helps the most iconic housewife trips soar is the bit players who pop in so like yeah. sure let's cast the ogs that makes the most sense they have built-in fandoms let's put lou in the house let's put ramona in the house let's put i think the rumored beverly hills gals are rinna and kyle great let's day three have jill zarin show up do you know what uh, i mean just like on scary yeah. Island. like why wouldn't we when we have and again don't laugh we have existing ip why not yes as they say in the business why not use it why not have Luann's going into the house at day four. Let's have a luau outside and let's have the pirate be the bartender. Like why not bring these players into the mix? Because it, you know, these women are all women who have been on the air for 10 or so years a piece at this point. The women that are allegedly cast, they know how to play the game. They know what their reputations are. They know what fans think of them. It'll be interesting no matter what, but I think what you need is the variables to shake it up because you, they all know who else is coming into the house. I imagine no one is, no one is silly. No one No one has not looked at the page six reports. Let's throw in some weirdos. Let's throw a Brandy in the, the second week just for a night. You know what I mean? Like, let's get some 
a Tamra who has been long rumored to come back to OC. Let's throw her into the mix. Maybe, you know, a great way to test the waters to see if people respond to her again. Let's get, I don't even know. I, I'm not, I was going to say Kristen Takeman, but I'd like to walk that one back, please. <laughs> You're like, mm, hang on. No, it's, yeah. I mean, I think what will actually probably happen with it is certain people will end up getting more screen time because of A, their personality and B, how they drive story. And I think certain people will end up feeling a bit friend ofish because they won't go as hard. Like, I think Kyle Richards could end up being a bit of a narrator in that situation. Oh, yeah. But she's not going to instigate whereas Lisa Rinna will instigate and Luan is a very like look at me look at me kind of character I mean if Kenya is doing it Kenya is terrific at villain stuff but also being funny and up for a good time and also I think narrates well so like it will just be interesting to see how the group coalesces and what dynamics come up particularly in a short space of time I'm excited it gives me something to look forward to and also unlike the other franchises I think they can do this in a way where we may, by the time it airs, forget about the COVID of it all. And I think I am really looking forward to that because I know we're getting a New York season that was filmed in COVID. Potomac cameras are up. It's still COVID. Salt Lake City cameras are up. It's their first season in COVID. This feels like they have hopefully quarantined them. They won't have masks. They will be on an island. We won't be thinking about it. To me, this is just the ultimate escapism and I am excited no matter how it turns out. Yeah, and also it's one of those things like with Housewives where fans of it are like, oh, this season of such and such is so bad. I've watched every single second. <laughs> we're going to watch We're going to watch it anyway, even if it turns out to be absolutely dog shit. It won't. But like, it's going to be must watch anyway. I just hope Hey You gets all this content because it's owned by NBC Universal. So I'm like, how about you guys just slide the old Peacock reality content onto <laughs> Hey You? Because, uh, All these streaming services don't exist outside of America, so don't leave us hanging. But anyway, God, we have a lot to (laughs) look forward to in Housewives World, whether we're going back in time or looking forward to new stuff. And before I let you go, where can people find you and your work online? I am at Brennan Carley on Twitter and Instagram, and that is B-R-E-N-N-A-N-C-A-R-L-E-Y. Brennan like the Irish Brennan, which is why Connor and I have such a kinship. Um, (laughs) Brennan's Brennan's bread for any Irish <laughs> people listening. Like Brennan's bread. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah. Don't know if you've heard of Brennan's bread. I'll have to send you a photo after this. I'm like, it's a brand. This oh, sounds weird. People, Connor knows this, but I went over to Dublin last year with my family and I got to spend some time with him and just wandering around the streets and seeing my name on like real estate signs and not yes. having it be Brendan or Brandon or uh, Brian as everyone in America always gets it wrong. I felt like, oh, my people, I found them. Yes, you were, you were at home with your Irish people. I was at home. Um, <laughs> all right we'll look out for you in social media and obviously as a freelancer you write for lots of places so hopefully you'll get more housewives interviews over the next few months that would be so fun fingers crossed i i loved my first housewives piece with bronwyn and i feel like for a long time i was really hesitant about crossing the line can i be honest with you about crossing the line between fan and reporter uh because i didn't want to ruin uh the shows and i think oc was already ruined at that point so uh there's only up to go from here <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> on uh, on that note, Brennan, thank you so much for coming on House Eyes and Me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. That was Brennan Carley on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much to Brennan for coming on the show. I'm going to link to his Cosmo piece about Moulin Rouge and Lady Marmalade because it's so interesting. And like, if you're like me and you grew up with that song being everywhere, I think you'll love it. If you liked what you heard in this episode and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can, of course, leave a rating and review there. 
I say it every week, but I really appreciate people who do that because it's really helpful for getting word of mouth uh, going about the show and pushing us up and down all kinds of algorithmic lists and things. Listen, the TV podcast landscape is there's Sopranos, Line of Duty, Drag Race, <laughs> whatever Disney thing is coming down the pipe. I've got a lot of competition, so anything to help me stand out, I much appreciate uh, wherever you get your podcast, new episodes of this show come out every Tuesday. So you can subscribe, follow wherever you get your pods and we'll be in your ears then. You can follow this show on social media at Housewives and Me on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well. The handle is It's Connor Bean. Thank you so much for listening to both the interview and our Shaw Squad breakdown report coverage which was a new twist in turn for this show, I think, on our 25th episode, no less. What a journey. What a journey. I can't believe we've got through this many episodes already. Thank you so much for listening. As always, until next time, stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.